Yo, it's Friday. We made it through another week. I don't know what Kyle's swinging back and forth. Today, we're talking about the used car reports yesterday. There were a lot of them. Here's a hint. Used cars are down. Carvana's down. But we have a color chart that might just pick you up. Everywhere I go, I think it will. Welcome to Friday, where we talk colors. (laughs) It's the only place where you're going to (laughs) get automotive news and color theory all in the same 15 minutes. All in the same deal. The color story is fun. We'll get to that at the end. We'll get to that. Uh, We got a trip next week. A week from today. A week week from today, I'm wheels up. So, yeah. Wheels up. Only a week. You're like, Modern retail conference. It's getting exciting. Talk to Glenn. Talk to Brian. Seems like there's just a lot of energy around it. It's crazy because... The same week, Modern Retail Conference and Used Car Week are happening. And like the level of expertise, knowledge, capacity at both yep. is pretty obscene. Like if you look at the industry. So There's some brain power going to be firing next weekend for sure. Lots next weekend into the that. following week. Uh, we're going to be on the ground and in the dirt. We're teaching a creative track, but we're also bringing the whole podcast gear we're going to talk to every expert, every dealer we can find, and bring it back to you on our new podcast series called In the Dirt. Search it on Apple and Google and Amazon, the In things. the Dirt. I don't know if it's- You know what's crazy? If you just search In the Dirt and don't put the with a so do, it comes up first. Get out of here. I know. That's interesting because there are a bunch of other In the Dirt. I was kind of blown away. I, I think it's just because it's new and we already uploaded 25 Because this episodes. community's <laughs> up on it. That's why. Because this community is like, we, we'll listen to that. We like that. Yeah, the first episode is, is the first episode Cirillo? No, it's not. No. No, it's, no. Yesterday's episode was Cirillo. I can't, that, no, yesterday's episode on Auto Collabs was Cirillo. We got a couple co- podcasts. <laughs> I don't know if you guys knew that or not. <laughs> uh, okay, so we got a podcast called Auto Collabs. You may know about Auto Collabs. And yesterday's episode was with Michael Cirillo, who is also a co-host of the show. But Kyle and I interviewed him about his start in the business. And it is probably the most fun I've had in a podcast in a really, really long time. I think we should have like a fan vote on whether or not we should just do like a 10 minute podcast with Cirillo every week oh. and just like have some random topic that we that we like someone throws That's a bomb a in the middle idea. of the thing and That's we just go idea. ham for 10 minutes and then get out. We're going to get in so much trouble. So much, so much trouble. Speaking of getting in trouble. Oh, that was well played. Well played. <laughs> Uh, Third quarter results reveal that all six top public auto groups are seeing significant declines in used car gross profits from down 11% all the way down to 31%. As volume also drops for some auto here, we'll give you a little. So we're talking about AutoNation, Lithia, Penske, uh, Group One, Asbury and Sonic. Gross profit per vehicle ranged from 1588 to 2478 for the quarter. Um, also notable, Penske's Car Shop and Sonic's Echo Park, that's their standalone used car stores, said announced they will not be opening anymore. They're pumping the brakes. They have some plan. Actually, Penske actually has some built and they're not in the UK and they're not opening them. No just way. they're just yeah, they're 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 up, they're ready. They're just like, hey, we're, I think Roger Penske was like, We're tapping the brakes. It's a little brake check. That's okay. That's okay. It is okay. That's, like to be able to a, to tap the brakes and just say we don't have to pull out. We just have to like Let's slow roll it. So this is a combination of higher acquisition costs, softening demand. Uh, an analyst, analyst Daniel Imbro told Automotive News, uh, he's from a company called Stevens. Uh, I've never heard of him before, but I'm sure they're smart if Automotive News is talking to him. While there's demand for used vehicles at a price point of $15,000 or less, which we know. We know that. Imbro that said there, always been that way. there aren't many vehicles in that range, but I think the used market will be a weaker profit stream. I've never, oh, actually, this is I put wild. this bold in the notes because I never thought I'd hear these words, read these words, or now say <laughs> these words. The used car market will be a weaker profit center 
relative to the new vehicle side. Can you imagine? Like, <laughs> what take that real world? quick and just like in 2015, just lob that across. Just see if anyone grabs I it. I think Everyone people would like, have assumed. Well, I mean, people would assume that something crazy happened. And I guess something crazy kind of did happen. Something so. crazy has happened. There How about go. that? Here's, here's the thing. I think that what we're seeing from the large publics, the publicly traded used car operators, is that they are much more susceptible to market fluctuations, like broad market fluctuations. Because when you start to pick out like local markets or local operators, you don't see a lot of that across the country. And this is where I think, you know, when you look at publics or you look at large organizations, they are much more influenced by um, by broader trends in the economy. And so I would say to like, especially local operators, single, you know, one to five rooftop operators that are in a region, like, don't just take that and be like, oh, we need to pump the brakes because they're no. seeing that. I don't think it's like one of those leading indicator type things. No, I think it's a they are they are they are dominated by like broad market economy and local local brands and local uh, dealers can actually have like a different perspective on that local economy, depending on where you're at. And so like hyper focus that a little bit, understand that these are trends that are changing, but don't like go start changing your whole business model because, you know, you're a different you, business. you see, you see yeah. these as leading indicators because you're a different business for sure. It's like, we'll call it operational exposure. Yes. Right. They just have they have broad exposure on the flip side of that, do they They probably also have some level of resiliency built in, which is sure. the cool part about this industry. It's like everyone's got a strength and weakness. Right. If you're yep. a local one to five rooftops, if you're a major public, you all have a different game to play. Right. So yep. trying to play someone else's game. That's we talk about that all the time. There's so many different opinions, so many different uh, avenues you can take, so many ways to skin the cat that it's like that's a gross metaphor, by the way. Right. And well, but think about this, because if you have one of those large publics operating in your area because they're going to make like larger scale decisions on operations, you might actually be able to go gain market carve share out a market if, segment if, yep. if you're if your local economy is not acting like the broader economy that they're operating in. Yeah. So just watch that because you could go grab that market share pretty quickly. Uh, one last quote on this story. It's all about inventory management. Group One CEO Earl Hesterberg said October 26th, the industry decline in used vehicle prices required quick action by our team to rapidly sell through existing inventory so we could restock at the latest market prices. This action enabled us to slightly increase sales in a market which declined in double digits. So, the, hey, the lesson to take away from that is pay attention to your inventory, move really fast when you see the need to move fast. And we're probably going to talk about this quite a bit in the clubhouse the lesson room. We're from about that, to jump in. The, yes, that's what I was about to say. The lesson from that is join all things used car <laughs> weekly uh, Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern because on clubhouse. we talk a lot about inventory. We'll be headed, yeah, we'll be heading there next. And I'm sure this, this conversation will be top and you'll have 140 operators and people who are paying attention to inventory in one room, really tossing this around from different markets across the country. Speaking of tossing things around. Segway. Time. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. In yesterday's earnings call, Carvana, it, obviously we'll talk about Carvana next, 
they reported a $508 million net loss, which is larger than their Q1 loss, which was $506 million, and more than seven times the loss from same time last year, which was only $68 million. Um, as interest rates and inventory costs continue to rise, CEO Ernie Garcia and CFO Mark Jenkins wrote in a letter to shareholders, the environment has continued to get increasingly difficult since the end of the quarter, and it is probable things will continue to get more difficult before they get easier as the company shifts its strategy from focusing on growth to focusing on profit. How about that? Is there a laugh button somewhere there on is. my trigger board? I think one of these. Let me see if I got I don't know one. if you can find it. <laughs> that, was the, that was the collective response. Garcia That's also my collective <laughs> response. I mean, here's the thing. Like, first of all, can you imagine in year whatever they're, uh, you know, they're like at year 12 or 13. Can you imagine posting continual $508 million net losses and just finally saying like, nah, now we'll focus on profit and <laughs> and shareholders going, yeah, they can probably focus on that. They probably know how to make profit in a not in a in a non pandemic you know, environment like uh, what's to say they even have the capacity to get there as an organization. They're nothing. I mean, they did, they did achieve. I mean, it was the big story when they did achieve profitability for the first time and they yeah. showed, was it a couple, was it two quarters? Yeah. When everybody was, was it two quarters of profit? I mean, but yeah, yeah but, but the yeah. total, I mean, like I, I do think that them proving yeah. that the model could be profitable. Like once I think everyone, it triggered like what happened when Amazon first turned profitable because years right. and years business is like, Hey, it's going to be profitable. We're going to lose a lot of money. But then once they turn profitable, they just, that trajectory kept going. Um, Garcia also noted that cars are very expensive and they're, no. extre and they're extremely sensitive to interest rates. Um, he added, he was hopeful that rates might be peaking. It doesn't seem like that to me. No, um, interest rates have moved up materially. He says, and most customers use financing to buy a car. So it seems like a lot of like blanket statements coming out, which is what you talk about when you're like, okay, I'm so not sure what we talk car about. Car prices are high. Interest rates are going up and people finance cars. And people usually borrow money to buy cars. All the, all the shareholders are like, let me write this down. Yeah, no, no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. I mean, you do have a lot of retail investors and things in Carvana, so there's a level of like educating them, but sure. the three things that, that are right there are things that have been in headlines across the board, not in automotive things, but just in everything. Um, their profit for retail, vehicle retail dropped to $3,500, down from, a, down, uh, dropped $1,172 from what it was year over year. $3,500 is still a lot. How... Is it just operational overhead? They have debt service. They have operational overhead. Because if you like contrast the two for a minute, their profit per unit retailed is thirty five hundred. When of the publics, it's somewhere between fifteen eighty eight to twenty four seventy eight. Yeah, they well, just have a, a different business model, a lot more overhead. Yeah, a different business model, a lot more overhead. I wonder if, like one one of the interesting things is is because they have their own financing company they can report that income on their profit per vehicle and so you have the overhead of well, the banking side of the business as well which is which is a whole you know that's a whole different level it's complicated. um yeah it's a complicated i you know i don't sit on the earnings call so i don't want to speculate or anything like I don't that know if I they just, had a call it I think, seems like this was like a letter which is another thing. Like right. we're gonna we're gonna write a letter on this one. <laughs> we're just gonna write a letter. Well, I think you know I've talked to a lot of people. Like, what would you do? You know, and I think that the idea is like, hey, look, you know, the 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 core technology and the and the idea is right. It's just the the capacity of the operators, the managers, the people. Like, there is something about being 
a quote unquote car person that allows you to make decisions in an environment like this that require a, a different level of focus and intention um, that, you know, dealers have the ability to, to, to work through and, and people that have come through that structure. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I'd hire some car people to make some decisions about cars, you know, and I, I just don't know what that, you know, what that management structure looks like, but I would have to guess that it's a lot of like people from outside the industry trying to make retail decisions, um, solely retail decisions yeah. in an altogether different vertical, uh, that can look like retail. And we encourage retail a lot. Uh, but there, but there's just some different things that if you've never been in it, if you've never sat in, you know, the inventory marketing and the merchandising and, and those meetings, then, you know, you can make some decisions that are perceivably good, but maybe aren't, aren't the best for the end, end user. Yeah. I mean, they kind of ended up by saying, um, they're not going to be providing an outlook for 2023. Uh, they said, we believe forecasting the environment over the coming months and quarters is difficult. Yes, it is. Well, we bring you down to shoot you right back up to the sky. So speaking of shooting back up to the sky, nowhere to Segway. go. Time. We were both like, uh, like all of our sentences are like, this is a fun one. We wanted to end on a really fun one. Not, I mean, look, let's not paint the picture that it is doom and gloom because it's not. I don't know Definitely if that's the truth not. for Carvana because it feels like that over there. But maybe they'll pull one out. But so let's get back to like the retail auto industry that we live in today and talk a little bit about marketing. This is a fun one. The colors you choose can make a distinct difference in the emotions you trigger in guests and buyers. Uh, there's an infographic we have up on the screen right now. It's linked up in the show notes. You have to check it out. It's such an interesting read from a luxury SoCal, from luxury SoCal Realty. And they want to help you sell your house faster, but also... Give a lot of other things like, hey, these will help you sell your house faster. These will help you decrease childhood aggression. This will help you calm down Wild. customers. Reduce. I mean, like colors can do a lot. I don't know. Let's let's yeah, let's give can. them some of the some of the quick details on the colors. Take some notes. Give them some uh, some of the details. You know, like uh, red increases pulse rates by 0.356 points. Measure Thought that that was wild. Yep. White paint. White paint reflects up to 98.1% of sunlight, making rooms look bigger. So like if you got a little small house or you got a small situation, make that room white, boom, all of a sudden feels a lot bigger, especially if you get some sunlight in there. Uh, I thought those were both like kind of interesting things that you can you can think about in a car dealership. Like if you put red too many places, like people are already anxious. So adding to blood pressure, not, not the greatest thing, you know? The Beaver Toyota um, doesn't feel like that. <laughs> The red's not, not everywhere. Really, I know, know. I know. I was yeah. going through this and I was just like affiliating these colors with, with automotive brands. Like, Places that you've been? It was yeah. like red. It was like a Toyota. Like, what are they going to do to counteract that? Like 75% people of people prefer purple over other colors. There you go, cars.com. I get to it wow. a little bit. White paint reflects 98%. Like you said, makes rooms look bigger. I thought a Roadster for some reason. They kind of like got huh. that that real white stark. And you think about like the Apple store and the Apple website. Like, okay, okay. Pink reduces aggression in children by 45%. So I think there you should be. You know what to do in the child area. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> just paint that sucker pink. Whenever I go Gun. to the store and I see the child area, like the books and the games, I'm like, man, I wish we had a highlight reel of the meltdowns that happened in that room. That's a tricky business right there. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. So, you know, the dichotomy on red though is what's interesting is that like 
it it draws attention and actually increases conversions yeah more than any other color so like you know there's there's kind of an excitement alongside yeah. of the the pulse rate so you know just like looking at those two things um was really interesting to me and then i think that a lot you know like one of the colors that i you know they've got this whole like maximizing market value they associate it with some brands but um you see a lot of especially like luxury brands in auto or those that are pushing toward luxury kind of doing this monochromatic with a black heavy focus yeah. and it you know they they note that it's um want you know that it's a color that offers strength sophistication and mystery in your product so it's a very luxurious uh type feel and also strength and mystery that kind of like oh what am i getting myself into here so um I, I think like you can make some a lot of decisions off of this the one that we didn't put in the show notes was on the sheet yellow triggers appetite so all of a sudden, you start mm. thinking McDonald's, In-N-Out Burger. They McDonald's, got the yellow triggering your appetite. Burger King. The red generating yeah. some excitement, right? Like, no wonder. No wonder red and yellow are the colors. But whatever you're doing today, pay attention to some colors around you. But more than anything, pay attention to your business, which means pay attention to your people going into this weekend because you got some people to meet, some people to sell to, some people to take care of. 